Join Ian Garvey as we uncover the hidden marketing stories that shape our world. Reveal the latest marketing tactics that will shape the future and the amazing people that grow organizations, movements, and businesses. Learn to grow your business and shape the world around you. Welcome to the Garlic Marketing Show with Ian Garlic. And yes, it's Ian, not Ian. That's marketing too. All right, we're back with Ryan from Arcona. Ryan, thanks for being on the Garlic Marketing Show. Ian, how are you, man? I'm doing very well. I'm super excited to talk to you about this. I know it's not something that people get excited about, but I like to talk about numbers and marketing. And I think this is an important conversation because I think people go at marketing and look at it separately from their financial situation. Look at it separately from the valuation of their business. Look at it separately like, hey, it's just lead generation. It's this thing over here. But we're going to talk today about how to make it intentional. In fact, that's what you're all about is intentional growth, isn't it? <laughs> So before we get into that, tell us a little bit about Arcona. How did you get into this space of virtual CFO services and training? My dad and I sold our family business in 2014. Crazy roller coaster experience, man. And after that, it well, the, the cliff note version, I'll go back. And, and just so my dad started the business in uh, the early 90s, it was copiers, man, selling copiers like technology back when like duplication was tech. So he we started with uh, zero employees and he grew it uh, significantly. I joined full time in 09 when the bottom of the market dropped out, man. So like the, like the whole all the margin, the equipment was just disappeared. Had about 21 million in revenue, 115 employees, three locations. And I spent the, the first six years of my career at our family business helping turn it around from losing close to a million bucks to swinging it into a healthy seven-figure EBITDA. And just you name the problems of ripping and replacing the accounting and ERP system, selling a couple branches, building out the managed IT services, building out the document management, rebranding so we could go head-to-head -head with all the business technology providers, talk about the company. Couldn't figure out what we wanted to do, so we sold it, trying to get untrapped, trying to figure out like what is the path forward, and then going that goes to the point where I all of a sudden I fire like sixty percent of our employees, pay a lot of taxes, paid a lot of debt. I'm all of a sudden sitting in a cube next to an intern after being twenty seven, running a twenty million dollar company, and I'm going, well, that was not exactly <laughs> the route that I had anticipated. And so, dude, that just, just kicked off my eight year thus far journey of trying to figure out how do you create a valuable business that you treat like a financial asset that gives you as many choices to do whatever you want, which is why I think we all become entrepreneurs. You take a lot of sacrifice and risk personally and financially. And I just think people should get re rewarded for their hard work and by creating a valuable company gives you choices. So anyways, that's the training part. It kind of touches a little bit in the training where we teach about uh, this using these five principles. And then the numbers are, everything always lands in the numbers, man. I was never a finance geek, but I kind of realized that that's how the game is played. So I would like to play. Yes, the numbers are important, right? And the numbers are important. Some of it's esoteric, some of it's not, but in the end you're driving your numbers. And I think for the most part, you've got people that, don't invest in marketing, right? Or they invest in it and it's so haphazard, it's without intention. And where, when did you realize that you needed to be investing in sales and marketing and you know, and mm -hmm. how long did that take you? So I'm actually gonna flip it. I always knew that I needed to invest in sales and marketing and then I didn't know about the numbers, which is hence why it's this kind of comprehensive understanding now. I'll, I'll tie this story together, Ian, because I mean, I grew up in a copier business. 
like my first job, like at 19, drowning in a suit was 400 phone calls, 15 appointments, five proposals, three closes, 50 grand in, in sales. And to do that, man, you're cold calling, then you're sending handwritten cards, then you're bringing people to golf outings, and you're bringing people to lunch, then you bring them to an open house where you do a webinar and you're training, you're building relationships with people, and then you're selling stuff to them. Like that was my world. <laughs> so like it's always been build build relationships, build trust, provide value. Everybody wins with the value exchange. And what happened is, and this is in principle four of the intentional growth principles, which is increased value. Ian, and there's this concept that if there's one thing that someone takes away from this interview is that the more sustainable, predictable, and transferable your cash flow is, the more your company's worth. I'm going to say it again. The more sustainable and predictable and transferable your cash flow is, the more your company's worth. And there's a lot of different ways to assess the risk of your cash flow. Any private equity firm or professional investor will go in there and they'll do due diligence. Here's the deal is everybody, if I wanted to buy your business, let's say it was worth 5 million bucks, I need to trust the story that Ian is telling me. So I'm willing to give you my 5 million bucks. And the story is look at the cash flow. Here's how I generate that cash flow, and here's how it's going to continue and grow. And there are these eight functional areas, and sales and marketing are, are two of them. But the reality is finance, leadership, planning, sale, or uh, planning, finance, legal. I don't know what all, all of the eight are. And it's built from this other gentleman from, it's called the Value Opportunity Profile. My point is, it doesn't matter. It's just that the concept of making your cash flow more sustainable, predictable, and transferable, sales and marketing are two of the huge pillars and it like for example if i wanted to buy your company and i actually this is a no joke story there was a client of ours uh, they were a national electrical uh, contractor 35 million in revenue man zero salespeople or marketing department so 125 employees and it's like okay you've been around for 20 years that's a lot of revenue and a lot of gross profit how in God's name am I supposed to know what to do next if I bought this company? There, that That's risk. So if they, instead they showed me their system of whether it's the phone call methodology like I mentioned or like a marketing funnel that leads to then appointments that then leads to webinars that leads to then sales calls and leads to close. I don't really care what it is. What's your customer journey for the right client acquisition cost that builds trust and builds value that allows people to buy from you that then you can explain to someone else. Love it. Yeah, no, it's so important. It's so important, and to your point, like thirty-five and people are like, "Well, I've never marketed. I've I've run so many businesses, especially that type of business that are like I never marketed before." I'm like, "You say that like you're proud of it." And referrals are a bit marketing. I mean, referrals are marketing, and it's like you said, it's value building value. Well, marketing is just building value. And so yeah, building value and trust, and that's all marketing is. And so where does someone start? You know, like you go into a company and you start to look at how they're investing in marketing how do you create a plan for them initially on where to invest so how i would start and so this is the re and i'll go back to why am i going to be suggesting that this is how you should start and so because like why believe me and why i believe this why I believe this concept is because I deal with a lot of people that are growing companies, selling companies, buying companies, and there's a lot of, you know, around the transaction. We don't do any of that work, but we have people that are, their goal is to grow value to create these choices that they want. So we're always kind of looking at it from the investor's lens, to your point, right? So what is this asset worth that generates a certain amount of normalized EBITDA cash flow? What kind of cash flow does this generate and how do we generate more? So then we have to figure out, so if let's just take, 
let's just take the electrical contractor to be uh, as an example, or honestly anybody. But you say, okay, they let's say they have three to five product or service lines. Okay, like you might do this, you might do that, you might do that. They might have each of those product service lines might have a different margin tied to them, right? Well, and actually, let's uh, and let's just use my old business. So, equipment sales was copiers, IT services, document management three higher level product or services. And there's a lot of other revenue lines in the chart of accounts, but three bigger lines that the margins were different, man. Like when the money came in, like equipment, you got a bunch of gross profit right off the bat. IT was like a three-year contract, reoccurring revenue. That document management was way different. It was a big project and then some maintenance over, over a period of time. What is the typical margin and then you say, how, what is the lifetime value of that client? So I'd be able to look at my managed IT clients and say, over an average 36-month contract at this kind of gross profit, I'm just making something up. Let's say it was 75 grand. We'd say, how much are we willing to spend to acquire that 75 grand? And remember, the 75 grand doesn't come in day one in IT services, but it does for copiers. And so you're, you're, you're trying to kind of go back just to kind of cover this ground, determine your chart of accounts, what product and service lines do you have at the right, at the determined gross profit and then, you, and then the lifetime value of that customer. And then you say, what percentage am I willing to spend and then, and how much upfront? So in our old world and copiers, you could spend, I think it was like 20% of say of margin to acquire it, you know? And like, I think in the financial services with wealth management, they'll spend one year's revenue to acquire the client. So then now you've got your budget for the first time probably ever to say when and how much should I pay to acquire this client? And then you layer on your customer journey that I know you help people with to say, what do I have to do and how long does it take and how much does it cost to build the trust, build the value before they start paying me money over the lifetime of our engagement? Love it. And then, so now you've, okay, I've got that number, which is smart because most people don't have that number. Very few people have that number. And let's step back. I don't have that number or I don't know that number readily. Should I start marketing before I know that number? And how long was most it going to take? people don't have a choice, right? Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you what not to do, man. I would never forget where we're sitting. I mean, there's a lot of bad marketing ideas coming from the office equipment industry, man. <laughs> like, I mean, you know how many people, you know how many, like, people will just go get a sports team to service their copiers and service them at a loss so they can have their name on the billboards. I mean, we did it. So I I know it's a thing. And like my dad walked in one one uh, management meeting. He, he was late because he was waiting for the tram. He had to wait to, for the tram because uh, the uh, whatever the gates came down. He walks, he goes, you know what we should do? We should put our logo on the tram. It's like, uh, what, why? Well, it's, a, it's 20 grand and the thing flies by people while they're parked. Do you think they pull out a QR code and like buy copiers off of a <laughs> tram? So like, I would say if you, if you don't do that, so you have to do marketing, but like do what's working. So if you're in a referral based business, how much do you want of your revenue to be referrals? If it's a hundred percent right now, do you want to boil that down to in three years to be 20%? And then you're saying, okay, well, what kind of cash do we need today? And again, to then, it's all about a cash flow thing. We need to make sure we're having sustainable, predictable, transferable cash flow, and the cash flow is growing. And so the, the investment of sales and marketing should yield a higher result of cash flow down the road. So whatever you're doing, start documenting it, understanding why people are buying with the way they're buying from you, and then what are other ways to slightly pivot, expand, 
And it's almost like, you remember, I can't remember which Jim Collins book it was. It was good to great or great, great by choice, but they were talking about like the bullets and then the cannonballs. What you like shoot the bullets, then shoot the cannonball. And that's what I would, I would suggest on this. Like before you, like, even if you had a hundred grand in excess cash to spend on sales and marketing, doesn't mean you should just piss it out, you know, the window, like figure out what's going to work. Like, for example, we ran a bunch of LinkedIn ads in 2019 colossal failure dude like just it's not a someone's not gonna do or buy what we buy or buy our services over an ad on linkedin or just not i mean we could have maybe done you know some podcast you know boosting or something like that but it was not that was too long of a of a return on investment for us to at that point in time yeah yeah and i think that's an important point too is really starting closer to the sale and a lot of people are sold on this idea that well a you know oh yeah i'm gonna get linkedin ads and i'm gonna sell my fifty thousand dollar ticket i'm like high ticket offer i'm like that it can happen but it's not gonna happen tomorrow mm -hmm. but you mm -hmm. know you, you gotta get in closer to sale so you know when, when you're looking you know and that's an interesting point to make too because you say it's a colossal failure is it something that you would revisit now because like, it seems to me like your ideal clients would be on LinkedIn. You know what it is sometimes. And I think to your point, it was a class of failure. There was definitely a huge ownership I will have on the, the messaging sucked. I think about the messaging we had four years ago. <laughs> it was not good. So like that was a part of it, but like, we, you know what we did is, and I, it wasn't a colossal failure in the standpoint of we learned really fast what was not working with our messaging. And then we pivoted and we actually rebranded to intentional growth and it worked. So to your point, I shouldn't chalk it up to a complete failure, but I would say how we're doing it, Ian, is that when we're a services firm, right? We got educational products and CFO services. And I said, what's the time to revenue for the different strategies? And then it's almost like a matrix time to revenue and then cost. And when and how can you afford through the cash flow of the business to expanding the duration of time it takes and the leverage. So we have something called one-to-one -one sales and marketing, one-to-many, which would be like a podcast like this or our podcast or a, you know, a keynote that I give. And then the one-to-one-to-many, which is channel partner affiliate marketing. So we're having a different amount of budget that we're putting in each of those areas. And as our cash flow grows, we're dialing down the one-to-one -one and one-to-many's and increasing the one-to-one-to-many's. So increasing the leverage, the duration of time it is necessary for us to close that deal. That's an important thing because it's you need to have those multiple channels. And it's a very good point because the one-to-one -one is gonna be much faster, much more time mm -hmm. intensive, but it's gonna grow the slowest, isn't it? And right, and if you like, but let's say you only, to your, to your one of your original questions, which is if like referrals, keep doing that, don't stop doing that but then just dial it down in like dial up the longer leveraged strategies or the more expensive strategies, right? So that way, like what I didn't want to do two years ago is be stuck doing the one-to-one -one sales, right? So like, it's like slowly investing more in the podcasting and more in the speaking and then more in like the video stuff, or whatever it is as that's continuing to work. And then I can look at a systemized funnel and be like, Look at now I can place my bets accordingly, right? Because it's data driven. It's it's the bullets, and then you can do the cannonball when it, when the time is right. Yes, for sure. And I think that's a great philosophy to have. And I think when I see it, a lot of people try and dump it all into one place. Like I know, I understand this is a long term strategy, but I need it to work right now. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I like all the things we've talked about so far. Like they all need to be thought through because like don't do it all right now and do a strategy that doesn't work that you're selling stuff at below cost. I mean like honestly like I like with inflation going on right now, I've got companies where it's like 
after we go in there and rip through the numbers, it's like, dude, you just sold like a million dollars worth of steel at 40% below your margins. Like that sucks. Don't spend any margin on sales and marketing until you have that. Like, so make sure that your pricing and the margins are where they need to be. And then you can look at your cash conversion cycle and say, when and how can I have excess cash to then place those bets to learn more what I need to learn in the right customer journey, right? Because if you're in professional services, I'm not selling, like I've got a client, I get, we got a lot of Amazon or e-commerce uh, businesses as well. It's one click, man. So it's business to consumer. They got, and I got a client that are spending like a thousand bucks an hour or a minute on Facebook ads. I don't even know what it is, but like it works, right? So the more they spend, the more they make because they've figured that all out, but you're not going to get there overnight. Nope. No, you're not. And it takes time and you've got to look at it like an investment strategy. But if you're looking at like an investment strategy, tell me what kind of a difference can it make in the sale of a business and how long it does it average you know and i know it varies from company to company but like you're you're working with a ton of companies what kind of difference does that marketing investment make in selling the company so it's going to be driven off of creating a more sustainable predictable and transferable cash flow so honestly like after we rip apart like a company well i'll go back after having hundreds and hundreds of companies come through our training like the same thing is needed every single time i am like it's like Oh, we were we were originally going to point people in some directions of like, hey, how to make their company worth, worth more money, and it's like, well, I can't see anything because the numbers are just junk. Like, can't see any story. So I'd hear this wonderful story from an entrepreneur or founder, and then I'd be like, okay, good, I totally believe you. Show me the numbers. It's like, well, I can't believe any of your story now. Like, you're a really good person, but like, the story is told through the financials. If you want this asset to be worth five million bucks, I need to see the story. I need to see the cash flow and how that story ties to the cash flow and the future growth of that cash flow. And if you can't tell me that good story and prove it, then it's just gonna it's gonna completely be reflected in the value someone's willing to pay you because they don't trust your story. So back to your point. When we look, let's say it's a, a million dollars in normalized EBITDA or just cash flow for the sake of this conversation. There, you can have two companies, Ian, that are, I mean, let's just take two agencies or two professional services companies or honestly two steel manufacturers, same size revenue. So this is actually the case so that we use our training. 10 million in revenue, million dollars in EBITDA, once double the value of the other one. All things equal as far as the numbers, one of them has their, they've de-risked their cash flow by building systems and processes to make it more sustainable, predictable, and transferable. So if one of them has zero sales and marketing strategy tied to the margins that they're supposed to, tied to the compensation plans that they're supposed to, it's all tied together and it's a machine that generates cash and you can see why. And the other one it's just a black box. I mean, you would like think about that. You and I, let's say it was a million dollars in, in EBITDA. One could get a five multiple and one's going to get a two because you're like, oh, I don't know. Like, I mean, I, he's a great guy, but like, how the hell am I supposed to know? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and it's just going to be completely reflected in the value because of the trust, the lack of trust someone has based on the story you're telling. Yeah. And it's, it makes complete sense. It makes complete sense. But I guess where's that mindset issue that doesn't make people realize that they need to do that? Because I see this all the time. Like, oh, I don't need to do that, but I want to sell my company. <laughs> I'll tell you exactly where it is, man. And it took me a long time to figure this out. So my dad and I were running a $20 million lifestyle business. And I'm going to define that because I think there's a thousand different definitions of a lifestyle business and it's not a good or a bad thing. So I just want to be, I want to preface this comment, which is you just need to choose. I don't care what it is, whether it's lifestyle business or you're focused on growing a valuable asset, which is your business. 
here's how that manifests in your decision making Ian, is if you're running a lifestyle business you're solving for annual income which means i want to know how much money can i pull out of this machine every year from distributions salary and perks and then you're going then at the you know at the reset after jan 1 you're going okay what am i going to solve for annual income this year so now there's a decision on april 12th should you spend 50 grand building out your website 10 grand building out some videos and put in a new erp system and the thought goes well that's going to be like 200 grand less cash i have this year no thank you versus hey I want to, let's just take that million dollars in cash flow, the EBITDA, and say, I, I'm going to build a new website, put a new ERP system in, and do a bunch of you know sales and marketing expenses that are one time. That's called an ad back. So it actually doesn't impact your normalized EBITDA, which is how investors think. They look at normalized EBITDA, and then they times a multiple by that. And you say, here's how this manifests in the conversation. And you might say, I didn't do that well this quarter. Well, why? because I invested in my ERP system, I built a new website and I did a bunch of sales and marketing, I hired a bunch of consultants. Okay, your net income is less because you spent money, which is what you're supposed to do. But if you add that back, because those are one-time expenses, your normalized EBITDA might be higher. So it's a complete mindset and it's right in that line item like I talked. You're either solving for annual cash or you're saying, what can I invest into this business to de-risk the cash flow, make it more sustainable, predictable, transferable, and go from the two multiple to the five. And so your your point is, it's a mindset issue because if you Ian, are focused on growing a valuable asset like an investor, you're going to figure out what to invest in to de-risk that cash to make it worth more money. Yeah, it sounds simple. <laughs> no, but it, I mean, that's a big mindset shift though. That is a big mindset shift. And you know, I guess, you know, it's funny you say that because I guess I've never looked at it that way. Because I talk to owners all the time and they're like, well, why don't you invest in this marketing? It's, you know, it's pretty much guaranteed to give you a one-to-one return over the next two years. And then it's all, you know, bonus. And, you know, they're running around driving very, very expensive cars. And I guess they have to pay for those cars. I'm always looking at honestly in the business. Oh, man. it's a, The baby boomer generation has a colossal problem because most people are stuck in their companies. They can't afford to sell. And everybody's like, oh, this silver tsunami is going to transition over. And I'm like, yeah, but if you just take some basic numbers, man. So let's say you got like a $4 million revenue, whatever shop, whether it's an HVAC or plumbing or a garage door, or, you know, just, just an up and down the street business. You let's say you're doing $4 million, 10% EBITDA, that's 400 grand. And this person's maybe making a couple hundred thousand bucks. They probably save very little outside of retirement. And you're going, okay, well, if you, t- if you times, you know, 400 by four, you're like, it's 1.6 payoff taxes and debt. And like the person that's been working at Disney with a, you know, a retirement account has got more money than the business owner for 30 years. And so what happens is the lifestyle creep. And by the way, I got that same story on clients that we have that are 60 million in revenue. I got it. I literally had a client that he couldn't sell his company for a dollar underneath 50 million bucks because he couldn't afford his lifestyle otherwise. Oh, this is true, dude. I mean, he had three three ranches, 15 cars, and he actually owned a safari, I believe. Um, like, but it's a mindset. And, and it goes back to like, if you knew what created value in a business, my guess is you would probably do that, right? As long as the cash flow could afford it. If you think about it, let's say you and I bought a multifamily house, right? Would we not put any HVAC systems in there, sinks or flooring or this or that for 40 years and and expect it to be worth $40 million? No. We would invest back into the units 
so we can keep the rent where we need to. But like there are definitely real estate investors that suck every dollar out and expect it to be worth a pile of money for some reason. Oh, man. You know, it's interesting because now looking back and talk to so many business owners, I think it's important for marketing agencies, especially if you're a marketing agency, listen to this, realize which mindset your prospect has. Because if they have that cash flow mindset, they're not going to be able like that. I need money mindset versus I want to grow my business mindset. It's a whole different conversation, isn't it? Oh, it's why do you think it's so much easier to, yeah, no, you're absolutely spot on, Ian. It's so much easier to sell to a private equity firm that owns 15 companies because they understand it's like, well, we know that this these are all called addbacks and they're, it's so ridiculously clear to private equity investors because they're like, oh, it's just cash. It has nothing to do with the multiple. They think about like, that's literally, it's just cash. It's an ad back. So like, we're going to spend all this money on consultants because it's ad backs and they're one-time expenses. And so like, I 100% agree with you, man. I always say that to like other service providers, like if I had to go back a decade ago and sell managed IT services again, and I'm trying to sell someone a quarter million dollar server upgrade project, it's a one-time expense and you're de-risking your company. So yes, you have less cash, but if it's fighting between the infrastructure project or the sales and marketing project and your boat, like, like where are the priorities? I mean, versus someone that says, hey, I want this thing to be worth 10 million bucks in four years. So I'm investing in the things that I need to, to make it worth 10 million bucks. A hundred percent. I think that's a, a crucial mindset. It's fine. Once again, it's fine if you're a lifestyle business, it's fine if you just want me taking money out, but don't consider yourself a business person. Don't consider yourself a true entrepreneur, right? It's it, lifestyle. You, and, like, and like you- yeah, It's fine, right? Yo, go ahead. Yeah. No, it's just, it's funny well, and, to me and, and, because, and, yeah, <laughs> go ahead. You go. <laughs> <laughs> it's, we're both excited about it. It's. It's just a choice, right? So like, think about how your decisions might be different. So again, no knock on someone that's doing a couple million dollars in revenue. Like, first of all, you're in the top 95% of entrepreneurs. So the top 5%, because that's, you know, I mean, you've done it, you've got there. But if you think about it, let's say on $2 million, you're an agency, you got 2 million bucks and you got 20 employees. Okay. Don't invest in things that you don't want to if you want to solve for annual income. So that there was actually an agency owner that, that was around that size and went through a training and said, you know what the best part about this training is, is like, I'm not going to be convinced at the next, you know, conference or, you know, peer group meeting to chase a flashy object because if a hundred percent of my leads come from referrals and it's super easy and I make 400 grand a year and I can save that in, you know, stocks, bonds, and real estate, don't expect the company to be worth $10 million though. And they didn't, they said, now my expectations are clear that this thing might be worth one times revenue. It might be a three-year earnout, but like whatever, cause I got $4 million over here and I saved for 10 years. And like, there's a certain degree of like headaches that come around with building a big business, right? So if you don't want that, if you don't have that path, that timeline or whatever, or the ability to invest in the business, then it might be a choice just to say, hey, like, let's just solve for how much money we can take out of this thing. Yeah, I think, and that's an important thing to, to ask yourself and it's important thing to know before you start marketing. It's like, where do you want to go? Where do you really want to go? Point B, man, we, 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 call it, we call it point B because it's like, how can you be intentional if you don't know where the heck you're going? Oh. That's so important. So tell me about your training. So someone wants to learn more about what you all do. You have some trainings. You have a financial assessment. We can go to Arcona, Arcona.io. There's a financial assessment right at the top. But how does someone work with you? Tell me about these trainings that you have. So the training is based on these five principles. A lot of the stuff we've been talking about are baked into these five principles. So that's they're all based on the curriculum. So we use these case studies to really highlight what we've been talking about. So it's uh, like I don't think the average video is like eight or nine minutes, animations, all the stuff that you and I were talking about and riffing 
working on before we hit play. And so they can do it on their own. They can hire me for four coaching calls, for accountability calls, and really uh, diving into their material. And pretty straightforward, man. I mean, it's there's once they pay. I mean, just normal, normal digital course. Nothing, nothing fancy other than it's hopefully insanely valuable material that it's hard to digest other places. Yeah, and you have a lot of success stories. You helped a lot of people off out and i think this important thing for every business to have especially a virtual cfo or you know a fractional cfo you get to a certain point you need to have that you need to have someone looking and help you make those numbers decisions because it's like marketing you need to have someone from the outside looking at it because there's too much emotion involved in it that is awesome awesome and ryan where do you spend most of your time on social media or do you and where can someone follow you there linkedin that's where all the stuff goes LinkedIn. and readily accessible there awesome and just i mean who's your perfect client my perfect client is someone that wants to grow a valuable business to create choices and they're willing to do the hard work to get there. And it's not easy, man. That's why, I mean, the people that create valuable companies, it's hard work and we like working with people that shift their mindset and that are willing to, to do the hard work. Nice. Yes, it's hard work, very hard work. You've got the Intentional Growth Podcast. We'll put you a link to that down below. You've had a lot of Awesome people on there, Bo Barlinum, Gino, our good friend, and uh, we'll put a link to that as well. But thank you so much, Ryan, for being on the show. Yeah, I appreciate it, Ryan. This has been a lot of fun. And thank you all for taking Ryan on and I on your journey. This has been Ryan Garlic and the Garlic Marketing Show. Video. You know it'll make you an authority. You know it will get you more leads, better leads that close faster and spend more with you. And video stories will help you be remembered and connect with those perfect clients. The problem is, where do you start? Storycruise.com is the place to go. It's like a film crew with an S. What's your strategy? Do you do it yourself? Do you hire a videographer, an agency? Do you need an editor? How do you know if they really know your business and how to make videos for business that work? The answer to all of this and more can be found at storycruise.com. It is the place to find the latest video marketing strategies, the best gear for your business, as well as videographers, editors, and agencies near you that are trained in video storytelling for business. Go to storycruise.com slash garlic to get special insider info for listeners of the Garlic Marketing Show including special access to several of my courses, including my case story course. Go to storycruise.com slash garlic to get a whole bunch of special offers just for listeners of the Garlic Marketing Show. Whether you're looking for a videographer or to do it yourself, go to storycruise.com slash garlic to get started today. That's it for the Garlic Marketing Show. If you want to get the inside scoop and the latest techniques, make sure to follow Ian Garlic on Facebook.